you open up to Mark chapter 10, I'll read, we'll pray, and then we'll just jump in head first, okay? Mark chapter 10, verse 13. And they brought young children to him that he should teach them. I'm sorry, that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. And when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not. For such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms, put his hands upon them, and blessed them. When he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. Thou knowest the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, defraud not, honor thy father and mother. He answered and said unto him, Master, all these have I observed from my youth. Then Jesus, beholding him, loved him and said unto him, One thing thou lackest, go thy way, sell whatever thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven. And come, take up thy cross, and follow me. And he was sad at that saying, and went away grieved, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked about, and saith unto the disciples, How heartily shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? And the disciples were astonished at his words, but Jesus answered again, and saith unto them, Children, how hard it is for them that trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. And they were astonished out of measures, saying among themselves, Who then can be saved? And Jesus, looking upon them, saith, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for with God all things are possible. Then Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all, and have followed thee. And Jesus answered and said, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or brethren, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake and the gospels, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in, the time, in this time, houses and brethren, and sisters and mothers, and children and lands, with persecutions, and in the world to come, eternal life. But many that are first shall be last, and the last first. Okay, let's unpack. Mark chapter 10. Now the first bit there, the first... Uh, 12 verses were on divorce. That wasn't fun teaching. I had an opportunity to talk about what God's, understand, God's best for our, our marriages were. We dis- discovered it was not the unforgivable sin. I try to quote things like that in a, in a big dollop of grace so that people aren't overly condemned if, you know, if you've married unsuccessfully. I don't want to beat you up about it, but I do want to give you God's high view of marriage. And uh, I want to think of this place as where, you know, bad marriages go to be resurrected, where, where good marriages happen all the time. Um, that's, it's, it's, it's important. It's very important. Uh, they say that, you know, the marriage among Christians and marriage among non-Christians, the divorce rate's virtually the same. I don't believe that for a second. Depends what you call a, it depends on your definition of Christian. But you're born again, you love the Lord, and you've been divorced. That's 
regrettable. But and I'm not, you know, I, I said this last week. I don't want to go off on a tangent. But I had a good friend. I think he's on his fifth marriage. And his last. Um, and that's what I always think. You know, I don't care if you're on your second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. Make it your last. You know, dedicate yourself to making this one work. That was last week. Verse 13, they brought him young children to him. Who? Ostensibly his parents, their parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, I don't know, older siblings. They, right? Uh, Who's they? They who would bring children, I guess. That he should touch them. The idea is put his blessing on them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. I understand why disciples of a rabbi normally would do this. But I don't understand why Jesus' disciples would do this. And you shouldn't understand it either. When Jesus saw it, he was much displeased. He was really bugged. Uh, The word there is uh, moved with indignation. It's the only time this is ever used of Jesus Christ. He's suffered a lot of... (laughs) slings and arrows, but he's not indignant. Here he's indignant. Why? Look it. Go back to chapter 9 with me. Uh, Verse 33, he came to Capernaum and being in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves, by the way? Hey, what are you guys arguing about? Uh, They held their peace, for by the way they had disputed among themselves who should be the greatest. You remember... And he sat down and called the twelve and saith unto them, If any man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, the servant of all. And he took a child. You remember. He took a child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said unto them, Whosoever shall receive one of such children in my name receiveth me. Whosoever shall receiveth me receiveth not me, but him that sent me. Did they get that lesson? Did they get it? I'm going to say not. I'm going to say, I, I, I think that swing and a miss. They just didn't even, not even a foul tip, nothing. They didn't get any of it. Uh, and if it was, that was the only thing he said, yeah, okay, I give him a hall pass this time. Right? I'm, a, I'm an easy guy to get along with. But he goes on. Uh, so John interrupts in Mass. We saw one casting out devils in thy name. And he's talking about sectarianism. He wasn't following us, so we told him, knock it off. And Jesus said, listen, when we all get to heaven, you know what's going to be like this? Tribe Jesus and everyone else. It's all the only two. The whole world divides into those two groups. I know people hate me saying that. There's a woke crowd out there who says, that's absolutely wrong. It's not politically correct, I'll admit. But it is biblically correct. Okay, there's no, there's no debate about that. So here, for he that is not uh, uh, against us is on a part. And now he goes right back to, you know, thanks for dragging me off in that direction, but look it, for whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you belong to Christ, verily I send to you, he shall not lose his reward. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe me, he's back to that, he never got off the topic. It wasn't just one verse. Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones. This is, this is the, some of the harshest rhetoric from the mouth of our gracious Savior. But it's true and it's a warning. Sit up and pay attention now, he's saying. 
Whosoever shall offend one of these little ones that believe in me, it's better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he were cast into the sea. You look at the national education, what's going on in this country, you think, boy, Jesus is working overtime making millstones. And I'm telling you, he is not. He is not. They wish that he worked because he said that would be preferable. What's going to happen to you is dark. It is dark. It would boggle your mind. You would repent yesterday if you knew. Oh, no. I got, I got, I got a heart for little children. You're going to forbid them to come unto me with your teaching on evolution, teaching on gender as a social construct. You're going you're gonna to push sin and make them accept it. Oh, wait till I get my hands on you. It is not going to be well. You're thinking, Jesus is gracious. He's good. He's loving. And he's saying, don't you mess around with one of these children. Don't you do it. Now here, we don't. We, we don't prevent. We huddle them into a place and we teach and we gear down directly right to them so we can talk to their level. Jesus forever changed the way that Christians think about children. Where his teaching hasn't been embraced by us in like the Middle East. Children are kind of like, I'm sure they love their children. But like, say, I was told of like somebody talking about this saying, okay, there's like 12, 13 children in line in a museum to look at a, a display. And an adult would walk right past the hole, go and look, and they would get out of the way. And if they were a little slow, he would shove them out of the way. Because they're adults. And we don't, Stand in line behind children. We're the adults. And you're sitting there thinking like, in what world would somebody do that? In a world that doesn't, where Jesus' teaching hasn't had a great impact. Because we would no more do anything like that. That would be totally foreign to us. Somebody nod your head or say amen or something. We, we're not like that. We, we're, not, we're not trampling over children. We are aiding and abetting children in coming to the Savior. You want to offend one of those little ones? Yeah. And here we have the apostles. Get, what, do you, what do you think you're doing? The mass ain't got time for your little snot-nosed brat. He got important things to do. He, what do you think he is? What things going on here? That, I don't think that lesson had, had settled in their hearts yet. And he is much displeased. He is indignant. Like I say, the only time Scripture records him being indignant. Uh, and he goes on to talk about hell there, the rest of the chapter, verse uh, uh, chapter 9. If thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It's better to go into life maimed than have two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm dieth not, the fire is not quenched. And he goes on, he talks about the hand, the, all the different eye, the, all the different ways you can... And he has very harsh uh, language. And so now they want to bring the children that he would touch them. And he's like, are you kidding me right now? You, you're going to try to stop these little kids from coming unto me? I've been waiting for like a gazillion years to get into this body so I grab one of these little guys and just hug him and rub his hair and give him noogies. And I believe he's the god of noogies and I really, really think so. And, uh, and they, they're like, man, get these 
ragamuffins out of here. Jesus ain't got time for them. Who does he have time for? Big important people like us? It's ridiculous. In retrospect, it's ridiculous. Suffer the little children to come to me and forbid them not for his, of such is the kingdom of God. And you think like he overreacted? No. I just think in light of the clear teaching of chapter 9, now he has to take it up a notch like he does with you and like me. He wants to teach us and he's very gracious and he's very clear and he's very loving and he's very good. And then we run through that stop sign and he's, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> and he takes it up a notch. He's getting us to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And he's very, very serious about it. A lot more serious than we ever are. And he will make his point. He will get his point across. And like I say, gently, as graciously as, possible, as you could possibly receive it. But we've all been in a wrestling match with him anyway because we didn't take the first uh, lesson. He says, well, let me, as he pins us to the mat, says, let me explain this to you a little bit more clearly. Uh, whosoever, verily, truly, amen, listen, sit up and pay attention. Verily, I say unto you, whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. Wow! It's not the adults who are the, the ones who you've got to conform to, it's the children. And he's, you know, in the says, and the child shall lead them. And that's in Isaiah. And it's talking specifically about animals, wild animals, during the millennial reign. But I think he's a child shall lead in a lot of ways. And he's not asking us to be childish. He's asking us to be childlike. Childish, we got that, right? No, childlike in this way, in this way. Uh, I had kids. You had kids. I got kids, okay? They're adults now. I don't like to be called kids. But you know what they never did? Never. Like, my son would come home with a D on his report card. Oh, I'm in trouble. I think Dad will kick me out now, and he won't feed me this week. Oh, I didn't make my bed. You think Dad's going to pay the electric bill? <laughs> Said one of my boys, never. Right? They, they, don't, they, they understand that there are children. They understand that, it, that that's, a, like, that's a lifelong thing. Uh, I, at 62 years old, I'm considering myself a child. My mom would disagree. She's my child, she's saying. I'm like, and aren't we all children of God who believe in Jesus Christ? And I'm going to show you something I think is very endearing later on. You're going to receive the kingdom of God in childlike faith. It's the only way you're going to do it. Or you're going to be like the rich young ruler. That's why I wanted to talk about both of them together. He took them in his arms, he put his hands upon them and blessed them. Of course he did. Of course he did. Can you imagine him doing anything else? Each one, I don't know how many there were. I'm, I'm, I bet he prayed, he put his arms on them, he prayed, he prophesied, he gave them a big squeeze, like I say, noogie, tossled their hair. I don't know. Of course he did. And I, I, I bet, bet it blessed the parents. It blessed the kids. And the disciples, maybe they're getting it, maybe they're not at this point. And when he was gone forth in the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? Huh. 
He makes four major mistakes here, this rich young ruler. I'm wondering if you can name them all. Mistake one, he thinks that Jesus is just a good master. The word means instinctively, no, instinctively, intrinsically good. Something is good. Jesus points out to him, why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. And he won't have any problems with that verse. A lot of people teach that, use that, to, that's their proof text, that Jesus is not divine. Okay, you don't have problems with that? Yeah. Uh, how many times have we come across in the Gospel of Mark the divinity of Jesus Christ? Okay? Verse after verse after chapter after verse after. And this time he says to him, hey, why do you call me good? You know something? There's no one who's good except God. And you're thinking, well, at first blush, it sounds like Jesus is saying, I'm not God. No, he's not. He hits them. And I, I remember reading this in my Schofield Reference Bible. It was my first Bible I owned. And Schofield wrote, he hits them with the inescapable dilemma. That was the phrase he used. Either I'm good and God, or I'm not either. And I wish we'd all understand that. Because people have said, oh, yeah, I believe Jesus is a, oh, he's a moral reformer, and he's a good teacher, and he's a religious leader, you know, uh, a guru, uh, like, you know, Mahatma Gandhi, or, or you know, someone, someone who's like, you know, up there in the pantheon of the avatars, you know, they have all these ideas about Jesus Christ. But he said he was God. He said he was divine. And you have to understand that he's either good and God or he's not either one. Not for this foolishness about God being, about Jesus being just a good teacher or just a, that's, that's, that's ridiculous on the face of it. And so he's saying to the man, you've got to understand who I am. And I think that's very important. We have to come to a grips of who Jesus Christ is. Is there salvation outside knowing that? Do you know anyone who's going to heaven who believes that Jesus is just a moral reformer? Right up there with Martin Luther. Yay, Jesus, he's... That's ridiculous. And Jesus lets them know it's ridiculous. The second mistake, he thinks that you inherit eternal life by doing. What shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And by the way, inheritance isn't a question of doing at all. You get... You've got inheritance coming, right? Maybe. You've got elderly parents and they're loaded and they're going to drop this big number on your lap with just all kinds of zeros at the end of it. Maybe. What did you do to earn that? You're just born in the right family, that's all. We don't do to inherit. And talking about eternal life, why, why is that so ubiquitous? Why does everybody in the world think that? I always talk to people about that. And they always say, well, I'm a good person. And then what do they say? I've never killed anyone. And I've never cheated on my spouse. They're perfect. <laughs> you, yes. Man, you are, you are awesome right now. Um, but Jesus says, no, there's none righteous. No, not one. And you don't go to heaven by not killing people. And by not, don't kill somebody, okay? Please don't. But that's not how we go to heaven, by not committing adultery and not, not killing people. Everyone thinks that. And I've said to people, oh, I've been studying, I, I got saved when I was 20 years old. That was a little while ago. That was a minute ago, right? By the way, tomorrow, guys, tomorrow's a big day. February 14th, 
You say, because that's the day you were saved? Correct. <laughs> but that's not the reason you're going to buy your honey a present, because of my salvation. But I did get saved on, on Valentine's Day in 1980. Now, you do the math. So I read the Bible that first year, and every year since. I've read the Bible 42 times. And a lot of times, I've talked to the whole book. And there's parts I've read 100 times or more. I know a little bit that's in this. And I've never seen the verse that you're referring to. Not once, not ever. And I tell people this. Can you show me that? Where the Bible says that you're a good person, you go to heaven? But it's ubiquitous. It's, it is with this guy. He's like, what am I going to do? You know, I, I'm you know, trying hard here. And there's some obvious disquiet in his soul. Like there was in mine. I was the same guy. I mean, not as righteous as guy, outwardly righteous, but I was trying hard to do things to earn salvation. What a happy day when I realized it doesn't work that way. You know the commandments, and I think, oh my goodness, Jesus pointed him to commandments? Why would you do that? Because commandments won't get you to heaven. Keeping commandments won't get you to heaven. So why does he point them that way? That's a homework question. I hope you're making a Wednesday night group. We talk about all these things, and it's really, it's really a good time. Hey, you know the commands. Don't commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Defraud not. Honor thy father and mother. He, there would be the second table of the law. You know what he avoided saying? The first four commandments, that I've, I would think, were on the first table of the law, the ones having to do with God. The ones he talks about having to do with Fellow man. You know what he didn't say? Don't have any false gods besides God. Two, don't build any new ones. Uh, you know, prohibition on idolatry. He doesn't say, don't take God's name in vain. And he doesn't say, keep the Sabbath. Remember the Sabbath, keep it holy. And he goes on, he talks about the second table of law. And by the way, my thinking is the guy, where the guy was falling down was on the first table. He had false gods, namely mammon. Okay? Just my own, that's my own take on this. And he answered and said unto him, Master, all these things I observed from my youth. Do you think he's just being arrogant, self-righteous? I don't think so. I think he thinks that's the truth. And maybe he had, to a large degree, done these things. Then why is he, if that's the case, why is he at Jesus' feet kneeling before him, asking him what, what am I missing? Who is this guy? Well, we don't know. I think it's the author of this very gospel. Because we know that Mark was young and rich. Was he a ruler? The word is like ruler of a synagogue or something like that. It could mean like a civil authority, but that wouldn't be likely if he was Mark. He wouldn't be in the, you know, Roman government. You say, well, why do you think it's Mark? And then Jesus, beholding him, loved him. Excuse me while I have a moment. Jesus, beholding him, loved him. That sounds very autobiographical. That's the only gospel that has it. Now, he's in, the, he's in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And between the composite, we find out he's a rich young ruler. He's probably good-looking, too, a little snot. I, I just I hate people like that. He got everything going for him, right? 
Jesus beholding him loved him. He's not, Jesus isn't, he's trying to reach the guy. Why? Because Jesus loved him. And Luke doesn't say Jesus loved him. Matthew doesn't say Jesus loved him. Mark, who may have been there, I don't know, I'm not, I, won't, I won't go out on a limb, says Jesus looking at him loved him. And this is Jesus loving him. One thing you lackest, otherwise you wouldn't be bothering me right now. You wouldn't come up to me. You wouldn't stop me from going where I was going. You wouldn't be asking the question. You're lacking something. Let me put my finger on it. Let me tell you what it is. Sell whatever you have. Give to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come take up your cross and follow me. Now this is a creating some more confusion. You mean I've got to give up everything? I've got to give all my stuff away? I think that was particular to this gentleman here. You've got to get rid of the God that you're worshiping now, and you've got to come and follow me. Come follow me is universal. Everyone's going to forget. That's going to happen to everybody who, who wants to be saved. Give up all your stuff? Well, you have to give up whatever it is that's getting in your way of following Jesus. You remember... If your hand offend thee, cut it off, right? If your foot offend thee, cut it off. If your eye offend thee, pluck it out. What's stopping you from following Jesus? Get rid of it. Be merciless with it. Just don't have anything stand between you and Jesus Christ. I think mistake number three is he thought he'd kept the law perfectly. Mistake number four, he was sad at that saying, went away grieved for your great possessions. Seems like he would have done the happy monkey dance. I, uh, wait, 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 wait. Are you, let me get straight. You're telling me all you do is get rid of this junk? I ain't taking it with anyway and get rid of it? I'll have treasure in heaven. What am I waiting for? He went away grieved because he had a lot of possessions. Ugh. He didn't go away angry. He went away grieved. Did he get saved in the end? I, I like to think so. I like to think it's Mark. I may be wrong. I like to think that he thought of it. Said, well, you know what? I'm not happy with all these things. I'm going I'm to follow off this guy and see what happens. I'd like to think that, but we're not told for sure. He was very sad at that saying. He wouldn't agree if he had great possessions. Jesus looked around about and said to his disciples, was this man receiving the kingdom like a little child? No, he was not. That was the problem. That's the problem. He thought he had to do things or inherit. He wasn't receiving it like a little child. Jesus looked around about and said to his disciples, man, is it difficult? How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? Now his disciples are astounded beyond measure. They are what? <laughs> they were astonished at his words. Jesus answered again and said unto them, listen, I know what I'm talking about. Children, how hard it is for them to trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. You know what just happened? He just called them children for the first time in the gospel of Mark. You've got to enter in like a child. Hey, children. Now, they wouldn't take this as an insult. Is he older than the rest of them? Who knows? I have an idea these are teens, 20s, 30, I don't know. Children. He's not old enough to be any of their dads, right? Children. Like I said, if we trust 
Jesus without salvation, we're children of God also. <sighs> children, how hard it is for them to trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. Riches aren't a problem. They're really not. They're really not. You know why God gives an opportunity to, to, to give? And some, some of you tithe, I know. It's what me and Sue's have done. I think the tithe says, Lord, you're most important. First thing I do with my check, I'm, I'm going to take the first 10% and give it to you. And I'm going to have everything in order. Now, you're first. You're worshipped. You're, you're exalted. And this stuff I got, thanks, appreciated so much. But this isn't my God. That's helpful in this world. It's helpful. It's a good tool to use against Satan. Money makes for a lousy God. A lousy God substitute. And they think, you know, rich people, that means they're blessed by God. They can buy more offerings. They can pay more tithes. They can, they can do more giving. They can be, and they can earn their way by all these good things that they do. And Jesus threw all that out and put it on its ear and said, no, it's... You can't trust in riches. That's not how you enter into the kingdom of God. And, he, and now he emphasizes it. You know what? It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. You guys all heard of the needle gate little thing that they, they used to teach this. I, I, I haven't heard it in a while because I think we've debunked it seriously forever. I hope. There was this gate like... Because there's big gates in Jerusalem, and you come in during the course of the day, and the gates are open. They're closed at night, you know, so people can't attack them. They have sentries. It's a, it's a walled city back in the day. But you could still come in. You just had it. You used to use the camel gate, and this is where you camel. You get to strip him of all his stuff and get him on his like hands and knees. Camels have knees. I don't think they have hands. You get him down there, and you push and you pull, and it's a big fiasco getting your camel through this camel gate and that's how you enter kingdom you know you got to get rid of all that extra stuff and you got to struggle and that's exactly the wrong idiom for the you, you're not it's not you're not struggling at all to get into the kingdom you say lord save me this is a, tomorrow 42 years tomorrow lord save me i am a miserable sinner he's like oh you have no idea how long i've waited to hear that and he saved me it wasn't a big struggle on his part. The price had already been paid. It was a struggle once. And he just saved me. It was a big struggle on my part. It was a struggle giving up. It was a struggle getting rid of my pride, getting rid of my arrogancy, coming, receiving it like a little child, realizing I couldn't earn it. It was a little bit of a struggle that way. But it was the smartest thing I ever done. It's easy for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He's talking about the physically biggest animal present and putting it to the littlest man-made structure. By the way, you can put a camel through a needle. You need a blender. And putting it together on the other side is a real problem, okay? He's saying, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through. I mean, and he's talking about something that's, that would boggle their minds, that they would deem impossible. And he's saying it for a reason. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Look at verse 24. Children, how, does, how hard is it for them that trust in riches? You can't trust in riches to get to heaven. You have trust in Jesus Christ and in his blood and in his atoning work on the cross. 
Period. Well, I got, I got, you know how much money I've given to the church? You know how many, you know how many tithe checks I've written out over the years? You know how many? I don't get you to heaven. Some people think it does. I'm a good friend of mine talking to one guy about this very thing. And his wife, oh, do you realize how much money he's given over there? And she was just taken aback at, you trusting in riches to go to heaven? Oh, boy. Recalibrate. That's, that's not going to get you there. They're astonished out of measures. <laughs> Who can be saved? She is looking upon them, saith, with men it is impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. When every time somebody gets, some people don't think the age, the age of miracles has passed. Some people don't believe that God heals today and God does miraculous things. That was for a time. Where's that verse? If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So I came to Christ. You've come to Christ. New creation. Isn't that a miracle? Jesus is right here. You know, you're trying to get saved by doing, by striving, by giving, by... Yeah, you might as well try to put a camel through the eye of a needle. Well, who's going to make it then? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's impossible with men, but with God, all things are possible. Amen? God is the God of the miraculous. He took an unrighteous sinner like me. Look at him. Preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Not me. Not me. I mean, and no one in my family either. With men it's impossible, but not with God. For with God all things are possible. Praise his holy name. And Peter began to say unto him, Lo, we have left all and have followed thee. Well, what about us? Because he just said everybody's out except the few that God's worked a miracle on. You know what I mean? And so he's like, wait, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. What about us? We've left all and followed thee. Have you, do you feel like that? Because I feel like that. I, I mean, Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, and he already called them children. I think, you know, he's trying to say, don't get nerved up about this. Don't you worry about. There is no man that had left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake in the Gospels. But he shall receive an hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Let's save that next bit. Isn't that how it's been with you? You're worried. You left all this stuff behind. And Jesus is the one who's like, Whosoever shall give you a cup of water to drink in my name, behold, because you belong to me, verily I say, he shall not lose his reward. He's counting drinks of water you've given to people. You think you left everything to follow him? You think it's like escaped his notice? How many of you have left everything? Family doesn't, they don't call anymore. Your friends don't come around. You're, you're estranged to your, your mother, your father, your, your brothers and sisters. Welcome to my life. 
Adam sounds like he's complaining. Oh, no, no, no. Bragging. No, I'm serious. Okay, that's sad. I'm kind of sad that there's a, a standoffishness. Of, my family's close, except for the black sheep. Is it, is it sad? In a little way, but he shall receive an hundredfold. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers, hundredfold. Used to have one mom. I got boatloads of them. I, I'm serious. Isn't it always been that way? I have four brothers. I got 400 now that I know that I can call on a first name basis. I, you know, you just see my phone. It's like, if I, if I get like, my car breaks down in like caribou tonight, I got people I can call. No problem. Isn't God good? Yeah, it's sad and it's happy. You know, he's, he's a blessing God. He's a good God. It's, it, there, is a, a, there is a loss following him. Count the cost. But what he gives. And we ain't started talking about heaven. We ain't talking about glory yet. It's here, right here, right now. It's good to follow him just in this life. And never mind the glory land. That's, that's a whole different thing altogether. Uh, he shall receive an hundredfold. Ah. Oh. I love his math. Now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and mothers and children and lands. Susan, what are we missing? What do what we don't have? What is it that, you're, that you want me to get you? I don't, I mean, we're, we're, we're fat, dumb, happy, and blessed. He's given us everything we need. Uh, hasn't he blessed us with all things? Spiritually, he has. Physically, We have everything we want. So he's going to give us, in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, and children, lands. With persecutions. Ah, oh, I knew there was a catch. Hey, it just goes to the territory. Again, count the cost. All that would live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And I, because if I hear telling you about all the brothers he's given me and all the wealth and all the resources and all the blessing he's poured on me, I'm going to sound like a health and wealth guy. I will tell you God is good. I will tell you that he loves us. I will tell you that he, he wants to bless us, but there's persecution. And blessed are you when men say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. It's right from the Sermon of the Mount, right at the beginning. You might as well know the rules. You're going to follow me. You're going to incur the wrath of a world that is absolutely dead set against me. They can't get to me, but they can get to you. And they will, absolutely. Oh, well, what are you going to do? Mommy, the mean boys are picking on me again. This goes with the territory. He says we're supposed to rejoice exceedingly because they, they persecuted the prophets that were before you. What's that? Misery loves company? No, it's great company to be in. Think about it. Uh, and in the world to come, 
eternal life. So now I'm going to bless you. I'm going to pour all blessing on you. You get houses. You get family. That's I lost four brothers who are like, we're pretty close growing up. But I've got, there are people, there are men in this room, right here in this room, who are closer to me than my brothers, my flesh and blood brothers. Is that sad? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, it, a little bit. I wish it wasn't that way. I mean, I wish, but has the choice. But I got brothers right here right now who are, you give me a kidney if I want, if I needed one. I love that family of God, and He's put us together in such a unique way, and He's put our hearts together, and He's like like David and Jonathan. There's no shortage. It's persecution, and in the world to come, eternal life. What does that look like? I don't even know. You get to heaven, meet up with Jesus. I'm not worthy. Oh, let's kill a fatted calf. It is, and I don't know if they kill fatted calves in heaven, but it is feast time. I got somebody I want you to meet. Present you faultless before the throne. Verse anyone come to mind? I think it's like, remember the old show Cheers? Like Norm walks in, it was a Norm. I think it's like heaven's like that. They walk in, Adam, we've all been waiting. And it's like all these people. I don't know anybody. I'm first generation Christian. My late greats weren't. How's that going to, I think, oh, I ain't going to know anybody. I got to meet everybody. It's going to be awkward. It's going to be like, so who are you? Uh, I'm Noah. Oh, I heard about you. <laughs> it's going to be like that. It's going to be like, like really awkward and stuff like that. I don't think so. You remember in the Mount of Transfiguration, Peter, James, and John knew Elijah and Moses. Isn't that crazy? They didn't have name tags. Well, I don't think they did. And the world to come, eternal life. And what does that look like? I have not seen, nor have I heard, nor have entered into the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him. Let's talk about this last one. But many that are first shall be last, and last first. Like the rich young ruler. He's got it all. He's got the whole game. He's got the whole, he, he's, he's rich. He's young. He's a ruler. He's got influence. Things we all chase after. And here he is, bowed before Jesus. I'm lacking. I need, uh, what am I missing? Many of the first shall be last, and the last first. And it goes back to picking up our cross daily and following him. That goes back, if a man desire to be first, the same shall be last of all, and servant of all. Easy peasy. You want to be great in the kingdom? Jesus wants you to be great in the kingdom. He doesn't rebuke them for wanting to be great. He just gives them the methodology for how they're going to be great. So think that all the way through and pray it, pray it in. Maybe that first shall be last and the last first. Okay, let's stand and we will pray and we will receive the blessing. I'm going to give you the ironic blessing here. Let's, let's stand. Good, uh, good word for us today, Lord. Our hope our confidence, our trust 
is in our great God and the blood of your dear Son that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And Lord, there are those, maybe under the sound of my voice here, maybe online, that think that heaven comes by doing, but you say we'll receive it like little children or we won't receive it at all. It's a good word, Father. Bring it home to our hearts in a way that changes us for good and for God forever. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen.